Parshas Teldois, Pnina Malatoya, has a beautiful insight. It says, that Yitzchak davened very hard in Rivka too to have a child. And what's interesting to note is that Avram Avinu and Sarah Imenu were also not blessed with a child for a very long time, until a very advanced age, much older even than Yitzchak and Rivka were. And then they were miraculously blessed with a child. And you don't find in the Torah that, that Avram and Sarah davened like Yitzhak and Rivka did for a child. The only thing we hear is he said, you know, the Hainloy Nasatli Zarah, he said that once as a statement, not as a tefillah. So why, why, why didn't he daven for a child? Or why isn't the Torah emphasizing that? And this Zayar explains that Avram knew he was aware that Hashem would bless him with a child. He had that aftacha. But since he did not yet have a bris milah, he must have also known that he was mechaev, well, you know, that he kept all the mitzvahs he could keep, but bris milah he didn't do because he knew or had a sense or he had some ruach ha-kodesh that he would eventually be commanded to do a bris milah. And since he did not have a bris milah yet, and he did not want his child to be born to him, the special child he really wanted. He didn't want to have that child while he was still uncircumcised because he wanted the child to be born in Kedusha. That's why he held off and wasn't mispalal for a child. And he brings down here, you see here, the avais and the imais, the tremendous strength of character they had. Avram Avinu yearned for his own child. He kept, his whole day was to teach to the world about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then he came home and it was just him and his wife and a child was lacking. And he knew he, he wanted to give over to his own mishpacha, to his children, the knowledge of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And nevertheless, he was willing to live with that tsar until the time came when he would have a child be Kedusha. And he didn't even daven for a child until he knew that he was going to have the brismila and to be able to conceive a child be Kedusha. Brings down in the Penina Malatayra a story told by the Kalavarev over the years. He was on, in, in Russia with the practice Yiddishkeit was very dangerous and um, Mila, Bris Mila was Usser, and it was tremendously dangerous. It could cause not just job loss, but criminal charges, fines, and sometimes it was a sakana to their life. So most Jewish boys then, unfortunately, did not have a Bris Mila. And there was a minority, the minority though, that were Mysa Nefesh. And secretly tried to have their children gemalad, to have a bris milah. They usually could not do it on the eighth day, because spies of the government knew that mitzvah was on the eighth day. And very from that point and, and, and a little while later, after birth, after the eighth day, and the eighth day, the spies would go and check on these families to make sure that mitzvah wasn't kept.
So they usually had to wait sometimes months and months, even a year, to secretly have a bris, you know, with a minion, even with a suda, but very, very quietly. But sometimes that bris was eight months, nine months, ten months, or even a year after the baby was born. So it is such a maisa where they all had that secret bris mila, and it was already ten months, a year after the child was born, and the bris was performed, and the child was sent back to the care of his mother, and the mother, you heard a scream and then a, a crash that someone fell, and that's what happened. The mother fainted right after taking the child into her arms. She fainted. They revived the mother. The child was Baruch Hashem okay. And the explanation of what happened was as follows. What happened was is that having a son and living in Russia was a tremendous achrayas for this young woman, this young mother. How could she not bring her son to a bris milah like every Jewish boy is supposed to have? But he was a, she was afraid of the authority, so she was afraid she couldn't do it yet. But she didn't want to become complacent about it. So as a constant reminder... And as a motivation to ensure that she would do the mitzvah, ultimately, she was macabre on herself that she would not kiss her son until after the bris. As long as she, he was uncircumcised, he would not kiss her son. she would not kiss her son. For close to a year, that's what the mother did. She held back her emotions and her feelings, which were naturally motherly, and she did not kiss her son. And finally, on the day of the bris, Finally, she had, he, he had the bris milah, and her emotions came, overcame her when she was finally able to embrace and give his, her son a kiss. And that pent-up emotion and that ahava and that kiss was too much for her, and she was overcame with an emotion, and she fainted. This is what the Kalava Rebbe related. So you see that mysterious nefesh of Avram Avinu was given over midar ledar, it was given over to this Jewish mother who committed to preserve this great mitzvah of bris milah under tremendous sakana and held back, it was moisha nefesh, and held back her motherly ahava towards him until he finally had that bris milah. That's one big lesson from this week's parsha. Another one talks about the Indian of Esav, and Esav is compared to a chazir. Why? Because outside, because there's two simone kashas for an animal, separated hooves and chewing the cud. And then the Torah lists four of these animals. A camel, arneves, a shofan, and then a chazir. Those four are not kosher. Three of them, don't have split hooves, but they chew. They don't have split hooves, but they chew their cud. The fourth animal is the chazer, which the tzimin is the opposite. The hooves are split, but they don't chew their cud, and it's not also not kosher. The chazal learn out that these four animals that the Torah lists here are symbolizing the four 
exiles that the Jewish people went through. The camel represents Bavel, the Arneves represents Greece, Yavan, the Shafan represents Modai, and the Chazer represents Esav, which is our, our present Gullus, the longest Gullus. And Chazal teach us that Gullus Edom is equal to the other three. In certain ways, in certain Chazals, it's Mashmet, even deeper Gullus than the other three. Which means that this Klipa, this impurity of a Chazer, is tremendously negative beyond the other three animals that are also treif. And why is that? The answer is, and the Avdi Nezer explains, that the Yaakov Avinu's Mida is the Mida of Emes. It's the Briach in the middle bar, that used to extend through the whole length of the Karshia Mishkan, keeping the walls sturdy and as one. Similarly, Yaakov is a symbol of Emes. He maintains the integrity of the Jewish people. And the Chazer has only one kosher sign, but he spreads it out, shows his split hooves to mislead people to think that he is his kosher. And that's what the danger is there. Because there is more sheker to the trephus of a Chazer than the trephus of a camel. Because the trephus of the camel is open. It's seen. Split hooves. It's right there. By a chazer, you don't see it so clearly. It misleads. It pretends it's kosher. And that is a sakona that we went through, through all the dairis of the Gullus Edom, whether it was Rome, whether it was Western Europe, all of these, where they were murdered and killed innocent people but they claimed that they were cultured and they claimed that they were good and they claimed that they were advanced. And that's why Yaakov and Esav are opposites because Yaakov represents Emes Gomer and Esav in a way is worse than the other three because he conceals the Ra under a chitzainius of Tzitkis, of a chitzainius of Hasidus. Like he said even to his father, how are you ma'aser the tevin? How are you ma'aser the, how do you uh, uh, give uh, ma'aser on salt? And so on. And that's a very, very important yesoy to know that the Yaakov, the Midah of Emes, we have to combat this. We have to combat this, especially the Klipa of Chazer, that pretends it's kosher and it's really not, and we cannot be fooled by that. And we have to be strong and to be mevakish emes always to counteract that klipa, that shell of Gullus Edom. And we're just going to end off um, here, something that was mentioned last year. I just want to say it again briefly. When Yitzchak says he prayed l'noichach ishtoi, the Rajbam explains that Yitzchak was mispalal, that he should have children specifically from Rivka. He knew he would have children through the Avtocha of Avram Avinu. His only tefillah was, please let my child come from this tzadikis, from Rivka. We also talked last year that on one hand, 
It says, Vayet Aloi, Hashem listened to him because he's a tzaddik ben tzaddik. And then you have another Rashi later that praises Rivka specifically because she was a tzaddikis, uh, a daughter of Rishoyim, and did not learn from their deeds. And it seems like that you need them both, and both have one an advantage over the other in certain areas, this way, certain areas, that way. But in Klai Yisrael, you need them both. And you have them both. You have that those situations where a person is born to a tzaddik, and he has a ruchni yisik, the kedusha, the environment, and there's a special schus to that, and he can elevate, go higher and higher. He's not exposed to the negativity. Then you have others that are exposed to that negativity and nevertheless remain strong and are not influenced by their environment. One is represented by Yitzchak and the other represented by Rivka, and that's the Chibur of Klal Yisrael, and we need them both. We also explained last year that even though it seems negative that Esav was a Ish Sada and Yaakov was a Yoshi there's a Bechina of Isada that's Bekedusha too. You need that also in Kal Yisrael. For some people, that Asherish and Ashama, of course, everyone has to learn Taira. That goes without a question. Kavati Itam La Taira. But you have Yisachar and Zavulan. And it's Taka brought down that that's what's Yitzchak's initial intention when he wanted to bench Esav. He knew Esav. He wasn't fooled by him, but he figured. With the bracha, he'll be machzer letayv. And because his nature is to be a ishsada, he'll be like a zavulun to support Yaakov in his taira. So for those people who are like that, who are not in the Yoshev Ayholim, and they're more like ishsada, we need to know we have that ability not to behave like Esav, Adaraba, to elevate ourselves, even as we're in the world, to use it b'kedusha, and to be Machshev Taira, and to support the Yoshev Ayhalem, and to unite Yisach and Zvulun as one. Smach Zvulun B'Tseisecha V'Yisacha B'Yahalecha. And Yisach really wanted that for the partnership between Esav and Yaakov, but Hashem knew that Esav was a Rosh and he wasn't worthy. But Klai Yisrael is worthy, and Baruch Hashem we have a Smach Zvulun B'Tseisecha and a Yisacha B'Yahalecha. And Ashrei, Ashrei, it's a praiseworthy Klal Yisrael to have this. And um, it's a big schus for all of us. Have a wonderful Shabbos.